0: Welcome to episode 10 of Conversations That Matter, the podcast, focusing on socially accountable mentorship. My name is Justine Jecker, and I'll be hosting today's episode on mentorship with occupational therapists Joanne Perry and Amy Tseng. Joanne and Amy belong to UTIA, Occupational Therapists for Equity Advancement, which is an independent network of occupational therapists from historically marginalized groups founded by Black, Indigenous, and Two-Spirit LGBTQ occupational therapists that collectively support the enhancement of inclusion, diversity, equity, and access within occupational therapy in the Greater Toronto Area. This is a group that grew out of the University of Toronto, but are not formally tied to the university. Today's episode will focus on discussing OTIA's creation, experiences, and programs, that are being recognized by OT programs across Canada. Joanne Perry is an occupational therapist at the Centre for Addiction and Mental Health in Toronto. She has a passion for recovery work with individuals who have schizophrenia and has more than 12 years of experience in this area. She has worked as the manager of an outpatient clinic, overseeing an intensive case management team, assertive community treatment team, and a team of community treatment order coordinators. She is a founding member of otia and is a status lecturer in the department of occupational science and occupational therapy at the university of toronto amy Tseng is an occupational therapist and freelance journalist whose career is dedicated to working in partnership with presently and historically marginalized populations centering narratives of personal resilience and systemic oppression she has frontline experience in mental health and housing, and is most recently the health equity facilitator at CMHA Toronto. She is a founding member of OTIA, an adjunct lecturer in the Department of Occupational Science and Occupational Therapy at the University of Toronto, and a recent graduate of the Dalai Lana Fellowship in Global Journalism. Welcome to both Joanne and Amy. Thank you for being with us today. I'm going to get us started uh Joyenne, with our first question for you. Uh, considering the broad scope of OTIA, how did mentorship development become a strong focus for this group?
1: Hello thanks for having me today it's great to be here. Um, so in terms of mentorship becoming a strong focus, well first of all a number of us who um, ended up being the founding members of um, OTIA were participants in the summer mentorship program Um, which is a program offered through the University of Toronto for high school students who are Black or who are Indigenous. And this gives them an opportunity to have um, some exposure to health professionals um, in various fields. So there's a a Rehab Sciences Day and occupational therapy um, is involved or occupational therapists are involved um, for that mentorship day. Again, a number of us from OT had participated in that program. It was just so powerful um, to meet these young people, to see the potential that they have um, in, you know, being fut- potentially future occupational therapists. So of our participation um, in that program, a number of us thinking a bit more broadly in terms of um, potential mentorship for ourselves as health professionals, for OT students who may not, you know, have seen... You know, healthcare, other OTs or professors in the, in the department who reflected them and their experiences, and um, as we developed OTIA kind of organically through a number of us who had um, you know similar similar mindsets, uh, uh, mentorship was something that we could essentially manage at the time given the numbers um, that we had. Um, there was an immediate need we felt even just through meeting together. It was almost like informal <laughs> mentorship for us to connect and share uh, and to share experiences. So um, that's kind of the way it sort of grew uh, initially.
2: Amy here. I just wanted to chime in before we get into the conversation so I could apologize about the sound quality on my end of the recording. The laptop I used has some difficulties with processing. And so my already rather fast paced speech is gonna come out even faster. We thought the conversation was still worth listening to. I just wanted to give you a heads up and apologize for the sound quality on my end. Okay, back to the conversation. Yeah, just to kind of continue that storyline. So yes, we all uh, sort of met through the summer mentorship program that was already happening and that people were already volunteering with. Um, and when we got together, it was just like an informal meeting and absolutely, Joanne, it, it became informal, like peer mentorship amongst ourselves. I'm actually also realizing, so we're we're all looking at one another and we can see a little bit of our social identity, but this is going to be, from what I understand, a uh, recording. So uh, I don't know, I it was funny, like listening to our bios, I was like, oh, I'm so impressed. But Joanne, we didn't actually, neither of us actually sort of situated our, our social location. That's though, right. So I don't know if that's helpful to... <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm happy to do to do that. So I myself, I'm a black female occupational therapist and I take great pride in the work that I that I do, the opportunities that I've had. I'd actually say that I had quite a a, quite a unique experience in terms of um, when I was an OT student, my first fieldwork placement, I had a black occupational therapist as my first preceptor, which was so impactful. Um, for me just to hear again her professional experience, like her experience as a student was very different from mine um, as well. Um, where she, you know, there are very again few Black students in my class that I had. There were a number of us, relatively speaking, um, at least a handful in a class of like, I think we're like 78. But since then it hasn't been, hasn't been like that. So the work that we're doing with Otia, the mentorship. Working with the young people, um, it's, yeah, just really meaningful to me.
2: And I identify as East Asian and queer, uh, cisgender. Uh, I do have lived experience of disability, so I I bring that lens as well to my work. And, yeah, so, again, now now that we've situated ourselves to continue that story, um, the idea, uh, there's a concept called the hidden curriculum, which uh, refers to sort of students who come from any sort of equity seeking background or equity deserving uh there is this like undercurrent of other learning, like learning to fit in, that happens and kind of, I don't think we ever formally said it this way, but I see part of OTIA's mission as like bringing that curriculum to the surface, right? Like this is, this is the kind of learning that's already ha- happening. Um, and personally, my, my uh, motivation with OTIA is like, I, I felt like I went through a lot of these struggles with my social identity alone and if I can help someone not have to go through that or at least not have to go through that alone like that's really um, what motivates me to uh, to keep working with Otia so okay so we started our roots were in mentorship with the summer mentorship uh, but as you can see our title uh, occupational therapist for equity advancement when we got together we were really like okay we're going to change everything about occupational therapy we're gonna we're gonna be a networking hub we're gonna be an education hub we're gonna do all these things and then of course covid hit and along with the rest of the world we realized like no no one can do it all um, and also yeah we i think we just bit off a little bit more than we could chew and so we were like we started out with mentorship let's lean into otia being um Mentorship specific, so I don't know if we were to go back, we might rename ourselves, but at this point we we are sticking with our branding as it is, but that's that is the story of how we're how the focus became uh, on mentorship.
0: I really like OTA as an acronym and it's really it naturally falls off the tongue, but I I feel that. for our listeners who who might be aware of CAOT's former programming with mentorship, I, I just feel that it's such a blessing that we've come into contact with OTIA. Uh, previously at CAOT, we had a mentorship on demand program, a paid for service. Uh, structured where you could come in and um, uh, mostly based on area of practice or years of experience find a mentor um, but it's something that we we decided last year before I had met OTA before I'd met Joanne and Amy and, and Sachi uh, that we needed to go in a new direction and so to to find your group and see that you've already been doing this that you're looking at gender. You're looking at um, ethnicity, sexuality, uh, race as a as a way of being able to match people to share their lived experience, and then also talk about the areas of practice that they're working in. It's just so tremendous, and it's so it's so cutting edge. And I think it's that's why it's exciting to have both of you on today, speaking about Otia. Um, it is something that is also informing our Jedi, our justice, equity, diversity. Um, an inclusion practice network at CAOT. And so we, we've said that this is, you know, socially accountable form of mentorship because we're wanting to really go beyond um, just the professional skills based of a person and really look at the whole person. But are there limitations to this form of mentorship?
2: So maybe to go off the thread of like, you know, another reason to keep the name Occupational Therapist for Equity Advancement is because... Uh, It's very much in in all of our minds that increasing representation alone uh, will not actually change the status quo. So we're very um, cognizant of this like trap that we could fall into if we if we only focused on mentorship, then we may just be bringing alongside more people to struggle under the system (laughs) that is not changing because that is not sort of the goal of. Increasing representation or or uh, this this form of mentorship, so it's kind of it, it, for me representation is important, but it's not going to actually um, it doesn't actually change the status quo. And I think that that's really important for us. Is like even though we are leaning into the mentorship piece, it is always in our mind that like you know we can't just like check a box like great we ha- you know we're bringing on more more queer OTs more black OTs to the to the table. Um, you were not really addressing sort of the table itself, which as we know, the table has some structural barriers um, in terms of like, who's able to come um, and be at that table. So I think that would be my first one. Joanne, any comments? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I just wanted to add a bit about that. So actually reflecting about it in terms of representation. And then I was thinking about, well, representation where, because we bring, like you said, we're bringing, you know, mentoring these up and coming students to become clinicians, but then also, um, we talk about wanting OTs and leadership, but like having a st- representation with um, historically marginalized groups in leadership positions. And I think in terms of like systemic um, type issues, that that's important. So looking at representation beyond just say like frontline clinician or what have you, but at those kind of higher level ha- higher level tables. And I think that can also help us in terms of pushing um, the status quo. So I just wanted to elaborate a bit in terms of that aspect.
2: Um, Another limitation is like with EDI work in general, it's often not compensated. I do see this changing over time, but then there is that caveat of also when you hire someone to be the EDI person, then all of a sudden it's that one person's job. (laughs) So there is this like, uh, it's a problem when it's not compensated work, but it also is a problem when it's like compensated but tokenized for us. Uh, again, the pandemic also brought this clarity because we're all clinician volunteers. Uh, some of us have more sort of uh, like academic roles or like research based roles. So we're not, not in the front line. And it, it really became clear like during the pandemic, like frontline clinicians no longer had the time <laughs> for OTIA. And, and uh, whereas, you know, us who were not necessarily in frontline, we were able to have capacity to move things forward we need some um, support and uh, actually we are excited to announce that we have a partnership with TD Bank and UFT's alumni services and we've secured some funding for a paid position to support OTS so that's really um you know we we are not formally connected to UFT in terms of like we don't answer to them but there there are some now formal <laughs> more formalized connections to UFT um in terms of like having this funding and um yeah being able to formalize the work and make it so that it's not just people doing this at the side of their desk i think that that is um pretty key and then the last limitation i thought about is intersectionality um so one of when, when otia first got together actually we were like you know do we want to form a group like otia which is like kind of an umbrella organization or do we you know should we have a queer ot group Uh, an indigenous OT group and a black OT group and, um, at the time, uh, we decided because there were so few of us, that was one reason to stick all together. But also, the other reason that we stayed together was because there, there were like an, an indigenous queer person, then, you know, where would they join or a black and queer person? Where would they join? So we're like, there's a reason to stay together. It actually also, comes up in the literature this is sort of starting to emerge this like EDI based socially accountable mentorship um and one of the examples they gave was like an Asian student who is matched with an Asian mentor but the student came from a low income background and the mentor did not and uh it, it actually became quite alienating um in that process so for us this is a work in progress uh you know I think we we can't just assume that because we are of the same social identity that that is you know there's inherently going to be a good mentorship match and we're sort of trying to figure out the best way to get that information from both the mentors and the mentees in terms of like you know maybe like single parents that might not be something that we like are explicitly clear about in OTA but that could be something that you know is a marginalized identity within our profession that could use some support in that way so just kind of being creative and not making assumptions um and being aware of the fact that intersectionality is, is a thing, and um, that we can't just sort of be matching based on skin color or that that sort
1: of thing. No, I agree with what um, what Amy was saying. Uh, it's still, again, with the, the mentorship that we have, it, it is fairly nuanced in terms of, you're looking like, at the living experience, is that the mentors and mentees are coming with, how do you, like in the matching process, like how do you tease that apart specifically, like with the general umbrellas that we have, like we're kind of leading with that, but. Um, there's so much more, so much more to it. I even thought Amy, as you're speaking, when I think about some of the folks who like the summer mentorship program, those high school students who are coming from like stigmatized communities and neighborhoods and things like that, and how that, um, you know, affects affect their experiences. So yes, it's something that we're definitely, um, try, trying to work through. And I think, you know, we'll get there and the mentorship experience will be that much more rich because of it.
0: Yeah, and there's this whole other concept of um, not only being able to match in those person factors, but having the skill set to be a mentor, right? It's it's really something that um, I think in most of our training, I know in occupational therapy education, there's discussion around the rules of OTs and the different hats they can wear, mentors being one of them. And I, I don't know that that's a skill that... Um, you know, a lot of OTs tend to be in supervising roles, but a supervisor is not a mentor, a preceptor is not a mentor, a coach is not a mentor. So there's all these different hats and, and it's also trying to figure out, okay, so what tools do we need to provide for mentors in this type of um, new way of mentoring? Uh, and and yeah, that's definitely something that CAOT is starting to dive deeper into. Um, yeah, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. Supports or tools for mentors.
2: That's something that we're working on as well. Um uh, is the training for for mentors. And actually part of the the paid position that we're having is to um uh, start creating like resources, uh maybe even putting together an event um to train mentors. But I, I think uh, the, uh there is a major difference between CAOT's mentorship program and, and OTIA, and that is uh, that we are grassroots so we are purposefully not inclusive of everyone we're very very um focused on mentors for students prospective students and current and recent grads and matching them with clinicians who already have some experience there I think at the um I had the chance to sit in on uh, some of the focus groups with the COT training and I love the idea of getting, um, retired OTs involved and, and those kinds of things. Um, and I think that makes sense for like the national body to be doing that. Uh, but I just want to be really specific that OTA has kind of had this more narrow mandate. And for that reason, at least so far, because we're not like this huge organization, it hasn't been an issue that we haven't had the chance to like provide formal training to mentors. They have been excited to do this. Often we're drawing on like what what are the supports we wish we had when we were students and that's kind of what is driving um those relationships forward
1: Joanne do would you agree <laughs> I guess I'm,
2: that's my that's my take on it
1: yes I would definitely agree um I know we were like and like I said we have the funding now from from TD to support us with because we had been working on like specific guidelines and things like that um that we can you know use especially as we expand and our and our our membership for like for me- mentors expand and people do look for guidance in terms of you know um like specific things like around structure and whatnot where like right now it's fairly again like organic um in terms of how we're we're managing that but um yeah looking forward with the funding that we have to having the more formalized training and having that the manual or or guidelines a bit more uh, more formalized will be will be helpful thank you both for that. I'm going to bring us to our our last
0: question of the podcast, but do you feel that this mentorship will allow space for learning about identity? And a second part to that is what opportunities exist for allies to learn with and from diverse backgrounds, whether it's within mentorship or outside of mentorship?
2: Um, I'll go to the like ally question. So I think uh, I've already kind of talked a little bit about how OTIA sort of has this more narrow mandate, um, but I did wanna mention uh, other, like two other places where ally- allies can learn more and that those groups that are like specifically um, tailored to like teaching about diverse diversity, I guess. Um, so one of them is COTAD, but they're an American sort of equity and diversity OT um, group and then uh the other one they're called moving beyond occupational narratives of hope equity and justice they're a cross Canada student-led consortium um and really as their title said they want to move beyond just like narratives of hope be pushing uh towards looking at themes of equity and justice and yeah I'm not too sure what they're up to moving forward but I know that that their quote unquote like their mission is 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 more the education piece whereas for us we've we've now leaned um, into the mentorship at OTIA
0: yeah I mean I think that that's probably a similarity in the future uh, mentorship program with CAOT and OTIA is that the mentorship program itself is not the place for allies to learn about Uh, different identities right so this is really um and i think that is important because it could be an innocent mistake where an ally um or anybody of any background thinks okay i want to learn about this background or this sexuality and i'm going to pair up with this person to learn about that and that's really not the purpose of the mentorship it's uh the mentorship is really about the similar lived experience of those groups coming together but i think knowing where allies can go and we do live in a time where now more than ever in the last few years, there there is so much education out there. Uh, We do have a lot of workshops and webinars at CAOT focusing on different topics around, you know, white supremacy, colonization, um, looking at gender from different uh, aspects and sexuality. We also have practice networks that can help support um, practicing OTs and students and new grads to be able to learn more about those sorts of things. And so I think, It's making me think in the development of the mentorship program that we we leave a space for okay what what what, if it's not happening during mentorship but needs to happen, you know, where can we gather that feedback so that um, so that those needs are met and and so it it is an exciting time because I think it's um it's been I love the organic grassroots nature of OTIA I do think that uh COT has a lot to learn and in our development of our mentorship program uh and that we definitely want to be supporting OTIA uh in in terms of um, other programs I know that was mentioned that there's other programs across Canada that are aware and actually i I think alberta was mentioned at one point in an off podcast discussion that they are wanting to learn more about the otf program and maybe deliver it um out there so uh do you want to give any final words on otf for our audience today
2: it's not a final word i actually kind of wanted to go back and expand on something would that be okay to do now
0: a (laughs) hundred percent
2: okay uh so uh Otia I just want to be a little transparent about Otia's um history we we mentioned that we are founded by black indigenous and like two spirit LGBTQ ot's um but right now we've were the two indigenous ot's that we were working with are are not a part of Otia anymore and i think as we were talking about like formalizing the um the mentorship process and things i start to think about like that's a it's a very colonial mindset to sort of have a guidebook <laughs> and a way to do things. And I think although like there is a need and people are hungry for that training, I, I think I just want to be transparent that we're we are right now, OTIA is missing an indigenous lens. Um with something that we're looking for. And I guess, yeah, when I was when we were thinking about formalizing, like I I don't want it to be too formal. I think what I love about OTIA is is, as you've kind of said, Justine, the grassroots nature and This sort of like more organic way of coming to to know and and and
0: and even mentor of one another thank you so much for that amy yeah it's so important to keep it to keep it real right when things grow they tend to take on a mind of their own and to try and keep it at its original intention And, and i love that otia chose to really hone in on mentorship with all the possibilities and all the directions that could have gone in. And thank you for the um, the honesty in terms of the representation right now with OTA and I think that that is a constant uh, ebb and flow right as we have different groups come and join, I, th- I feel like the equity um, and inclusion aspect is something we can never we can never really forget about right like people and I, I mean groups are changing and moving around and we always have to be open at, to the representation at the table and like you said at the beginning Joanne or maybe it was you Amy the table itself could be the problem right so you know sometimes we have to flip that table and, and start from scratch um so Joanne did you have any fun- sorry oh, sorry, we're sorry, go ahead Amy? Ahead yeah. sorry
2: we do have Indigenous mentors they're just not in the driving force for um of otia right at the moment in terms of so we have like what's called otia council which is the members who kind of meet and set set goals and kind of keep things going but we do have so like if there's an indigenous student listener <laughs> we we should be able to um facilitate a match to a, a mentor so
0: that's just wonderful lots of opportunity that's so wonderful and joyanne any um final words for us today on the podcast
1: Yes, I just I guess just tied to tying back to I guess like with my opening words in terms of you know working participating in the summer mentorship program which led to you know having OTA and just we spoke earlier about representation and that's like a big place like in my heart and a lot of like my like I'm driven by that quite a bit. Um that we have OTs again that are reflective of the communities that we're serving, but that we're also able to do that in an equitable manner with like a sense of belonging and opportunities for leadership. And I think that's part of the beauty of OTIA. I have that big passion in terms of, you know, investing in our young people, like mentoring them, bringing them up. But I have like my colleague, Amy, who, you know, keeps me, you know, motivated and mindful of the need for, you know, for equity and going beyond the the status quo. So, um, it's such a privilege to be a part, um, of this group. I think we keep each other, uh, we encourage, encourage one another, we keep each other grounded and we push each other forward. And I think, um, our profession is going to be the better for it.
0: Thank you, Joanne, for ending us on such a high note and Amy, so much for the discussion. Um, I can share with our viewers that there's just smiles around the table right now. Even just saying the word "otia" makes you smile. <laughs> so it's it's just been a wonderful um, podcast to have both of you on and to talk about mentorship. And I really am excited to see where OT is going to be in a year from now and um, and also where CAOT will be in a year from now for that matter. So thank you both. And... Um, That's everything for today's podcast.